Rookie Mark Williams finally gets a legitimate debut for the Charlotte Hornets against the Portland Trail Blazers. I'm going to be recapping that game with my friend Nana Edwards. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Let's do it. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets mm-hmm. your first listen every day. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube, where you can see the bright, shining face of our good friend, <laughs> Nada Edwards. He joins us every other Tuesday. I'm usually joined by my good friend, Walker Mail from WFNZ, but he is getting back from his holiday travels. But look, Nada's got the camera set up. That doesn't look like your normal setup. I think you're traveling as well. I am in Morgantown, West Virginia, so shout out to any Hornets fans that are ha- that happen to be in Morgantown, West Virginia. This is a beautiful little town. There's too much snow. There's way too much snow. But um, outside of that, yo, it's, it's a good town to be in right now. Yeah, there's snow on the ground everywhere, it seems like. But you're you're here, and that's what's important. I'm Doug Branson. You can get more of my work on my Substack. Every Hornets box score, including a detailed breakdown of the game that we're going to talk about today, uh, the recap against the Portland Trailblazers. By the way, every Hornets box score, the URL. Uh, we can talk more about why they lost this game. Uh, they go, they're two and three on the road trip with a chance to go 500 on the road trip tonight against Golden mm-hmm. State. We can kind of dig into that a little bit later in the show. Plus, I want to get Nada's thoughts on this Miles Bridges situation, the continued developments around that and a look ahead uh, to what their schedule looks like after this road trip. That'll be later in the show. But really what I want to dig into is the big story of this game, and that's that Mark Williams, the rookie, the 15th overall selection, fourth game that he's played this season, but the first game where he gets legitimate minutes because Nick Richards uh, injured his right ankle, right ankle sprain, the official diagnosis against uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. So we don't know how long Richards is going to be out. Mark Williams gets a debut. I thought he made the most of it, 15-plus minutes, nine points, seven rebounds, two steals. He was all over the place. Whenever he was on the floor, it seemed like he was involved in nearly every play. Nada, what was your main takeaway from Mark Williams' uh, first real game action? That's why they drafted him. Like, literally, that's exactly why they drafted him. They drafted him to defend. They drafted him to be a high defensive IQ player. They drafted him, essentially, to be – the guy that they want in the middle for the next 10 to 15 years. And he looked for a large swath of that game to be that guy. I was highly impressed with the fact that he ended up being the guy. I wasn't just the defensive IQ was what popped out. And then also what I saw was that he looked fairly plug and play. Now, granted, there's a reason for that. It's called the Greensboro Swarm. But Uh I thought for for a large part of what, he did. He was very, very effective. The only thing that, like, the only thing that he didn't do well is something that he's going to have to get better at, and it's an NBA strength training program. And I believe we need to start respecting that as, hey, this guy isn't very strong yet. Give it a year. He'll be, he'll do just fine. You're right. I mean, he was pushed around a lot by Yusuf Nurkic, but to be fair, I mean, Nurkic, he's a beefaroni, yeah. right? I mean, he's a big yeah. old load. Yeah. 
and down underneath, and he was killing them from three. He was five of seven from three. I think that's a career high in made three-pointers for Nurkic. Big reason why they lost this game was yep. just not staying attached to him. But, yeah, when Mark Williams was on the floor, Nurkic was taking it to him offensively and pushing him around in the paint, but he was also pushing around Mason Plumley. So it's, you know, I mean, Nurkic yep. is like one of the tougher guards, and I really like that Clifford stuck with Mark Williams when they when you know Billups decided to sort of you know put the chess move out there and say all right you want to keep Mark Williams out there we'll throw Nurkic out there you know he didn't immediately yank Mark Williams he decided to let let the young guy have a big test and here's what I think you're right on the strength thing and that's not going to change this season the the difference that I saw in this game versus maybe some of his preseason action where I was criticizing him a lot was I thought he was more physical like if you don't have strength yeah, and was, you're physical, yeah. you're you're at least going to give yourself a chance. He gave himself a chance on some of those plays, but he was obviously fouling a lot. I think he had five total fouls in this game, and he was fouling a lot to compensate for the fact that he really just could not handle Nurkic on that block. But not a Clifford did compliment him post game. Said he played with poise. Uh, said that he was much better in the pick and roll coverages, kind of alluding to maybe some of his deficiencies yeah. earlier in the season. Uh, said played smart for his first time with serious minutes. But but I read a lot of, you know, the fan reactions to Mark Williams playing, and they look at the nine points, they look at the seven rebounds, they look at those two steals that he had, and they say to, you know, they would, they're listening right now, they're watching right now, and they're saying, not a Doug, what took the Charlotte Hornets this long to play him? What say you to that critique? Greensboro. Like, that's why Greensboro exists. He wasn't this guy. He wasn't the guy that knew where to be when Mm -hmm. in the offense, because you saw where he was. He wasn't in the way. We've seen multiple times where JT Thor has been in the way of a guard. We've seen multiple times where Kai Jones has been in the way. And Mark Williams took Greensboro, took it to its full advantage, understood what guys like to run on the pro team and in when we talk about like the Greensboro team, he hasn't been in the way. And that's a testament to his basketball IQ. But it also means that, hey, sometimes these rookie bigs who need to learn how to defend the rim in a pro-style way need a little bit of extra seasoning, and that's what Greensboro's for. This is about mainly getting him ready. And now when you start talking about Clifford saying he's playing with poise and then he's playing with intelligence, if you followed Steve Clifford for any length of time, you already know that that means, yo, I like this guy. If you play Clifford Code Talkers, and maybe that's a future game we come up with later, I just say, like, when you hear that, <laughs> those are two of Clifford's favorite things. So if we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, he's going to be in the rotation until he plays his way out because, quite honestly, playing with intelligence, playing with poise is something that is lacking on this roster right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he definitely um, learned a few things in Greensboro. I mean, he's been practicing with the team as well. And Clifford mentioned that yeah. post game that he told the guys, "Look, here, here's a guy, Mark Williams, that's a perfect example of how you get better every single day, even if you're yeah. not getting a ton of playing time. And the reason that he's not getting a ton of playing time is because you know this is really the first injury they've had at the five position, and their five position was set from the beginning of the season: Mason yeah. Plumley and Nick Richards." And those two centers, um, you know, are certainly not the best center rotation in the NBA, but they were better than Mark Williams. And Mark Williams wasn't ready right out of college to come in and compete with Nurkic. Look, 
look, look at how Portland played Mark Williams. They attacked Mark Williams, and and multiple teams would have done that throughout this season had they gone with Mark Williams that early. And I'm not sure you want to ruin the confidence of a kid when he's not like totally ready to be out there night in and night out. Whereas Nick Richards, both body and skill wise, uh, was was better to put out there if the focus was on winning basketball games and not ruining your first round rookie. And that's been the focus. I've argued over the past couple of weeks that maybe that focus should start to shift. And if that focus is going to shift, that should probably mean more minutes for Nick Richards, more minutes for Mark Williams, and less minutes for Mason Plumley and some other veterans. Um, so my question to kind of close this out is looking you know, in the future, Nick Richards is probably going to be out a couple more games. Do you see Clifford sticking with Mark Williams or shifting to Kai Jones, who has gotten some of the backup five minutes in, in previous games? Um, and you know, sort of after Richards comes back, do you see if there's any room for Mark Williams? Honestly, I think you I think Mark Williams is here to stay. Because if Clifford is looking for poise, if Clifford is looking for defensive IQ, you're looking for basketball IQ, Mark Williams kind of fits the bill. And then on top of that, Mark Williams is kind of like you've already mentioned it. He's the shining example of, hey, guys, this is what I mean when I say you practice with intention, you play with intention, you take every single minute and learn. I think you get more buy-in from all the younger guys if you say, hey, here's why he's playing, because you can point to specific things about getting better. And the fact that he is getting better and the fact that he is doing all these things right, I I, I just don't see a way that you can play like, like you can take Mark Williams out when he's fulfilling everything that Clifford wants from him in terms of being a starting center right now, and he's only going to get better. All right, good stuff, but we are not done. Coming up. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I got to get Nada's thoughts on the developments around Miles Bridges. Uh, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the team and Bridges are close to a return. Uh, for uh, the, the the former uh, second-best player on the Charlotte Hornets. So I'll get his thoughts on that. Plus, we'll talk more about this game against Portland. They lose. Why did they lose? They scored 67 points at half. How did they, how'd they end up losing this game? We'll talk about that and more. But first, want to tell you about our friends at Prize Picks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Um, I, uh, you know been playing fantasy a little bit more this season and I've checked out price picks and they do it a little bit differently. And it's, it's really interesting. So here's how it works. You pick two to five players and if they go on to score more or less than their price picks projections, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry, no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. That's kind of what I like about it. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat other people. I'm just trying to beat the projections Price Picks offers uh, projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, which is big right now, women's college basketball, which is big right now, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, <gasps> disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. And here's the cool part. 
which sometimes with some of these fantasy you can get fantasy things you can get a little interesting but with price picks safe and fast withdrawals you get your money quickly and you know you're getting your money currently operational in over 30 states and Canada so here's what you do download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on if you deposit $100 price picks will give you $100 if you deposit 50, Price Picks gives you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. More with Nada Edwards on the Locked On Hornets podcast ahead. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest sports stories around. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. So, Nada, they lose this game, the Hornets do, against the Portland Trailblazers. Final score, 124-113. But I mentioned before the break, they scored 67 points at halftime. I mean, the offense was humming. The defense had a few issues, uh, a little run there at the end of the second quarter to get the Portland Trailblazers back within six. It was 67-61 going into halftime. But the Hornets held double-digit leads in the first half, and yet things went really wrong uh, in that second half, Gordon Hayward didn't shoot the ball well. He was 4 of 14. Terry Rozier was 2 of 17 from the yeah. field. What were your big takeaways from a uh, the, the, the third, the second loss of this West Coast road trip? The defense wasn't good enough. Like, the first half defense was pretty good. And when Portland came up with their counterpunch, the Hornets didn't have it. They don't, they lacked the tools, unfortunately. And part of that is the maturation of Mark Williams, which we talked about, which will happen eventually. Because when you have a center that has a career night from three, that's hard to factor for. But the other part is just P.J. Washington wasn't good enough to defend Jeremy Grant, who went for 30, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking about a guy that, yeah, I'm sorry, 32. So you're talking about two, uh, two instances where career nights kind of killed you, but they shouldn't have been able to kill you. And this is from an off night when you had an off night from Dane Lillard and an off night from Simons pretty much. The defense should be better. I I do worry about the offense and the fact that it stalled again in the third and again in the fourth. But at the same point, the defense should be better to the point where you can be able to rely on it. And unfortunately, you can't right now. Yeah, no, totally. I think all of those points very valid. It's three losses on the road trip, by the way. I'm losing track. There have been so many this yeah. season. They're two and three on the road trip. Uh, the Hornets, <laughs> you, you mentioned the fourth quarter shooting struggles and scoring struggles. Hornets put up their sixth fourth quarter this season of under 20 points. They only had eight instances of that happening all last season. You can put some yeah. of that on the injury, certainly. Um, that that affected the offense, especially when LaMelo Ball was out. But LaMelo's back, and he's playing well. And he was one of the players that that was you know somewhat efficient in this game. Uh, but but they really needed guys to knock down open shots. I mean, that's something, again, Clifford brought yeah. up post-game. They got open shots in this one, didn't knock them down. Uh, not are you ready for some interesting Hornets slash Charlotte never wins at Portland stats? Let me hear this because I, I do remember a lot of I, I do remember the Rose Garden being a house of horrors if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they just don't win. I mean, that's really the the horror part of it is that they go to Portland and they never win. All right, here's the last time Charlotte won in Portland 
was in March of 2008, and the leading scorer was Emeka Okafor, wow. and the team was named the Bobcats. <laughs> Wait, wow, hold, hold, hold on, because I remember, wow, they didn't even win in that 48-win season. I am, nope. I'm shocked by that one. I am no, really and, shocked by that. Yeah, the last time a team named the Hornets won in Portland, it was December of 2001, and the leading scorer of that game, you want to take a guess? Was it was it Baron? Is either Baron Davis or Jamal Mashburn? Well, well, those would be good guesses, but Jamal Mashburn uh, was actually hurt for a good number of games in that 01 season, and famously okay. um, in, in in the playoffs as well. And so, no, it was Mashburn's substitute, Lee Nalon, Nails, leading scorer, really? twenty six points, eleven rebounds, filling in I'm for shocked. Mash. All right, you want to you want to do a little name game here? Uh, the names of Let's the players that played for the Portland Trailblazers in December of two thousand and one. <laughs> Let me see. It's Scottie Pippen, Ru- yep. Ruben Patterson, um, Damon Stoudemire was probably there. Yep, Sheed was there. Jermaine yep. O'Neal was there. No, I don't think O'Neal um, was in this one. He might have been with the Jermaine team, but he wasn't. He wasn't listed in the box score for this he wasn't game. Listed. Okay. Um, How about Bonzi Wells? Think. How about Dell Davis? Oh, how about Dale? Oh, wow. How about the coach of the Golden State Warriors who they're going to play tonight, Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr wow. How about how about I a young Zach Kerr. Randolph? This was like pre-Jailblazers, right? Like the like most of the Jailblazers was on this team, if I'm not. Mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting into it, but this was the team that Portland put together to try to make like one big run at it. So they, it also included okay. Sean Kemp. It also included Chris Dudley. Who got the DNP, but he was on the team. So yeah, this was like the Blazers going, all right, we're gonna get Scotty and we're gonna get a bunch of guys that are on their last legs and we're gonna go after this thing. Uh, and then they wow. would yeah, then after that they would they would transition into more of the jail blazers that um, people would know. Uh but yeah, there's some fun name game stuff. Um yeah, I mean I thought LaMelo played really well in this game. He out logoed Logo Lillard. Uh Dame Lillard didn't play well. Yeah. I think that's another storyline from this game. The Hornets once again, they've done this multiple times this season, Nada. The defense like hones in on one guy. Like the game plan is, yeah. all right, we're going to take away Lillard. They were blitzing him, they were doubling him. They were like, "Dude, you are not going to get us." And then he ends up passing really well <laughs> and everybody else gets them. Nurkic uh, we, we've said was five of seven from three. Drew, yeah. Drew Eubanks hit a three. What? He attempts point one yeah. three yeah. per game. Uh, like, he had like a three. There, there were a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, it, this ha- this happened multiple times this season, right? They did it against Kevin, Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. They tried to take him away. Everybody else beat them. They did this against Washington and KP and Beal. They took those guys away. Everybody else beats them. So, you know, what's going on there? I mean, the Hornets seem they can't put like a full defensive possession together. It's a solid strategy, though. Like, we're not going to let the main guy beat you. We are going to make, if these other secondary guys who are secondary guys in the league for a reason, if they beat you, then you know what? I'm completely okay with living with that. I like that strategy. And more importantly, the Hornets are sticking to that strategy. That is something that we have never seen them do. I'm okay with this right now because you know what? That means we are learning. That means we are growing from the portions of this season where they weren't the best at defending at all and paying attention to detail. Now that some of the starters are back, and shout out to to Gordon Hayward specifically, who might be their best perimeter defender right now, which is granted, 
a very, very low bar to clear. Like, mm-hmm. so we're talking about a team that is now following a defensive strategy, which is more than they ever did before under Borrego or anybody else. And right now, I kind of like the fact that there is a strategy in place. It's going to work eventually. It just means you're going to have those guys that the Terrence Rosses, the Tobias Harris's beat you. Unfortunately, like, I'll, I'll take that for right now because it means they're sticking to a strategy. And well, I, here's and how you know that Gordon right Hayward is one of their better defenders. Uh, they opted to put Gordon on Anthony Simons early in the game. And Portland countered that by by putting Simons in like a thousand screens to get him switched on yeah. to Terry Rozier, and then that's you know Simon scored the first like seven or eight points of this game for Portland, but it wasn't. I think only one of those baskets was like directly on Gordon because Chauncey Billups and that Portland staff understands that you go one on one against Gordon, he's he's a smart enough defender to a stay in front of you and b not foul you. Um, so they were really actively trying to get Simons on to Terry Rozier because they know uh, that that's not necessarily the case with Terry Rozier. Okay, um, I don't want to shortchange the next conversation, so we're going to move it to the final segment of the show. Coming up on the Lockdown Hornets Don't go podcast, to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I'm going to ask Nada about the news that we got uh, just on Friday. Last Friday, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Hornets and Miles Bridges are getting closer uh, to a new free agent deal. I'll ask him about that and more coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. But before we do that, got to tell you about our friends at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all on BetOnline.net. If you went to BetOnline.net, you would see uh, that the Hornets were a six-point dog against the Portland Trailblazers, and Vegas was right about that. Also, you can get the odds uh, for this game tonight against Golden State. Now, when they beat Golden State the first time this season, they were 10-point doggies. They were double-digit doggies. With Steph Curry hurt, I'm not sure. They're going to be underdogs, but I'm not sure they'll be all the way underdogs. Uh, So check those lines out at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on Friday, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Charlotte Hornets and Miles Bridges are gathering traction in talks on a new deal and optimism exists that an agreement could come in the near future. Miles Bridges was in attendance and uh, was talking um, to players after the game against Los Angeles. Uh, Nada, your thoughts on these, this new development, Miles Bridges and the Hornets getting closer to a new deal. I hated how they rolled this out because it basically confirms it, like if you're one of those people that think the Hornets don't do anything right, they do everything off the cuff. Nothing's ever planned. They confirmed every single one of your suspicions with this kind of move to roll this out two days before Christmas not have anyone say, yo, let's hold off, wait a week, to have Miles Bridges show up to the game and have no one on his side of the tight table or on the Hornet side say, hey, why don't you guys take this to the locker room, do this behind closed doors, embrace each other behind, you're too hot right now. For 
this to be the thing it is, I, I mean, they rolled it out at the right time because, again, we're the only ones really talking about it right now. But at the same point, this is one of those self-inflicted wounds that didn't need to be. And unfortunately, I wish they would have handled this better because, to be quite honestly, it, it's embarrassing if you try to root for this team in any manner to, to, because they consistently do these things where it's just so sloppy. And I hate to use sloppy because I like those guys over there. But at the same time, there was a way to handle this. And it wasn't this. It didn't need to be this. And I just honestly wish they would have handled this a lot better than they actually did. Well, so I'll press you on that because I think that their timing was super intentional. Um, I think it got the desired result, which is that the in, like the NBA news cycle uh, flushed it out pretty quickly. The commentariat, you know, gave the Hornets an L on Twitter, but like TV's not talking about it. No, not, the, the majority of the fan base does not exist on Twitter. So, you know, everyone right. um, howling about this, you know, the majority of the fan base is going to be watching the Christmas Day games if they care at all about the NBA, or they're going to be watching the, lo- the local news shows. And I don't know how much the local news shows really reported on this, but, you know, you're probably getting like the B and C team at these news outlets that, you know, are, are you know, cycling in people, uh, you know, for the Christmas break. And the Hornets understand that. And I think from a PR perspective, it's gross. It's cynical. Uh, but it's intentional, and um, I, I don't like. I don't know. Here's here's my question. Like, I don't know w- what better way could you handle bringing back someone that has pled no contest to uh, felony domestic violence or felony injuring a partner, um, re- and reportedly or allegedly did it in front of his children. Uh, I don't know how you bring someone like that back in a way that's like that's like super positive or is going to be positive other than just hoping that fans ignore it. I don't think there is a way to do it. I just like if he, if they do this, let's be real here. If they did this Friday before New Year's, they would have had the same effect and it wouldn't have been Christmas. <laughs> you're, like, I think you're just you're Christmas- just sad that the, you're sad that this ruined your Christmas. Uh, well, yes, I am sad that this ruined Christmas, but at the same point, like if they waited a week and my, like if they waited a week and Miles Bridges shows up like randomly at a Charlotte game, are we talking about this? I don't think we're talking this. We're talking about it maybe just as much, but we're not talking about it being sloppy and we're not talking about it being intentionally craven and in a lot of the other words that we're using right now. I I understand that they had to bring him back. I understand because I think the large part, and I think we've talked, me and you have talked about this, maybe even on wax, but I understand why they're trying, they have to keep him. They're a small market. And the only person that, that gets hurt by discarding Miles Bridges is the Hornets because there's going to be a sports washing piece about how Miles Bridges overcame adversity and plays for some playoff team, maybe even the Lakers or something like that. And he overcomes this, and he becomes a better person. And meanwhile, the Hornets are going to get blasted on TV for not keeping him. I understand that conundrum. At the same point, don't make me feel gross about it. I guess that's the thing. Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me in public. Don't make me feel gross about it. And I think they've managed to hit two of the, two of the three of those. Uh, all right, rapid-fire questions, and then I, I've got one more sort of look ahead uh, for the Charlotte yeah. Hornets. Uh do you think they get a deal done 
I, I don't know, before the end of the year? I mean, we're only a couple of days out. Do you think they get a deal done before the end of the year? At this point, get it over with. I hope so. I really do hope so. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of contract triggers in there for voiding money. Oh, well, yeah. Similar. I mean, similar to his probation agreement, right? I mean, he's under multiple year probation agreement, but he also has to submit to a lot of drug tests and and go through a lot of different uh, things, hoops that he has to jump through in order to uh, maintain that, you know, sort of status as as probate. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. There could be all kinds of things within that contract as well. Um, Does he play again this season? No, absolutely not. I think the timing for this was that the NBA, the NBA knows how long they're going to suspend him. The Hornets know how long, how long he's going to get suspended. This is going to be a thing where we will not see Miles Bridges in an NBA facility until July, whatever, to 2023. And I, and I completely understand it, and I completely am rooting for that right now. Okay, let's shift gears back to uh, the Charlotte Hornets that are currently under contract yeah. and playing. We got some news that Cody Martin, uh, this is from uh, Rod Boone and Charlotte Observer, doing a little reporting, figuring out when Cody Martin and Dennis Smith Jr. are going to return. Still no like concrete timetable, but it seems yeah. like they're getting pretty close to a return. Yeah. My question is, and I, I think, <laughs> I don't even know if fans are questioning this at, at this point, uh, they're they're just wanting this to happen. They want a, a shift to the youth. They want a realization that they've come to. Fans have come to the realization that this season's over, and they're just waiting for the organization to also come to that realization. But do you feel like the organization is waiting on them to return Cody Martin, Dennis Smith Jr., to make a final judgment about the way the rest of this season is handled? I think you can't make a judgment on the youth and going a youth movement until you see what you have in a Cody Martin. And granted, we're going to understand that Cody Martin's not going to be himself this year. That that's a that's a knee injury that takes usually about eighteen months to get used to, get, get just to get over it. So I understand that, but I don't think you can fully make a an evaluation. Like Dennis Smith Jr. has a handful of games that he played well in. If you're going to bring him back. Don't you need to kind of kick the tires and see what he actually has long term and see if this is one of those things where he blitz the league and the league doesn't adjust. I kind of want to see what they're going to do. And I understand why people want to go see youth movement, but you're going to, but let's be real here. You're going to get mad at the youth for not being an established player. You're going to want to see new players and you're going to want to get rid of the youth. We've seen this already with book night. We've kind of seen this with the fan behavior with a guy like McGowan's at points. We've seen this with Kai and you, everyone, like him being a bust. I really just want everybody to be patient because honestly, at this point, what's there to rush to? What are you rushing to? There's going to be nights where, <laughs> like, what are you rushing to? Like, yeah, that, well, that's, they're pl- that's that's sort of my that's sort of my take. Is <laughs> like they're playing poorly. Uh, they're losing games. Yeah. Uh, the the schedule is is hurting them uh, to a certain extent, but like they're losing games without shifting to the youth movement. So yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made. Like you want to get these guys minutes at some point to sort of evaluate. But I think you're touching on something there with Cody Martin and Dennis Smith Jr. coming back, and like y- you want to have a fair evaluation. Like you yeah. want to have a fair evaluation of Mark Williams surround Mark like that. What he did against Portland to me was a fair evaluation because he was surrounded by good yeah. players. Like he was mm-hmm. surrounded by units that knew how to play with one another. 
And and then Mark Williams gets thrown into that, and you get to see how he can react to those type of situations. And there was good space for him. So and same thing with like Cody Martin and Dennis Smith Jr. Like, look, Cody Martin's locked up. I think they generally know what they have in Cody Martin. But Dennis Smith Jr., like you want to see him play a little bit more uh, with a unit that can legitimately contend to win a basketball game so that you can make a decision about whether or not you want to retain his services in the future. So, yeah, I think you're kind of getting the best of both worlds, right? You're getting law if you're a fan that wants – you know, a better shot at Wimby, you're getting losses that are going to get them closer to that, but you're also getting a decent evaluation of some of these players. And that's all thanks to Terry Rozier going two of 17. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's definitely helping. Like, this is the other thing. Like this is also type, the type of stuff that you can take Cliff can take into the film room and get a lot of these young guys better. Hmm. Like there's going to be those, don't do that. You see what Terry's doing? Again, book night. Uh, Bryce, you see what Terry's doing? Don't do that. There's a lot of teaching tape in all of this. And we're all we're doing right now is just figuring it out. And even if this ends up being a consolidation year, which is most likely going to end up being, there's still lessons to be learned. You still don't want to develop bad habits. And it's funny that we talk about that. And I know Cliff has talked about it when you've been in the press room before and when I've been in the press room before. There's a lot of bad habits that just that develop when you just give guys minutes with no structure. The yep. biggest thing that Cliff is doing is giving them structure, and with structure you can grow. And that's why a Dennis Smith Jr. is going to play. It's why Lamelo probably will play a bulk of the remain remainder of the season until there's no point in playing him anymore. I like to see this structure because otherwise you're just going to have aimlessness, bad habits that you're going to have to correct in the summer and then in parts of next season when it's expected to be a little bit more competitive. Well, and here's the interesting thing too, which is that like it, if the Hornets, even if the Hornets wanted to move Tay Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, uh, none of those players really have showcased like that they're that they're good enough to command. I mean, especially because of Terry's contract, that's going to yeah. be a tough sell because Gordon's injury history, that's going to be a tough sell. But neither of those players offensively have played up to the level that would be necessary to like attract another team. I think PJ Washington is is playing really well right now, but he's been a complete roller coaster. What team could count on him night in and night out? And you know, and Kelly Oubre, kind of same situation. Offensively, he's been very important for the Charlotte Hornets because yeah. of injuries. But efficiency-wise, he's in the tank uh, compared to his previous seasons. Uh, so, like, even if they wanted to move these guys, I think it would be super difficult because these players are not showcasing themselves. And so, you kind of need Cody Martin and Dennis Smith Jr. to yeah. come back if you did want to shift to sort of a situation where you say, "All right, Terry, you know, take a few weeks off, Gordon." take the rest of the season off, pull a Nick Batum kind of situation where you bench a guy, which is going to be a difficult situation for the team to manage. But if you're going to do that, you got to have guys that can actually play decent. I mean, that's, that's the thing you got to, you've got to, if you're going to put book Knight and Mark Williams out there, if they don't have anybody else to play with, that's decent. Then how do you fairly evaluate them? So I think you make make really good points there. You can't, but also I would also say that remember PJ Washington is playing for money. Like, he's a restricted free agent. How's that going to go if you're telling him, yo, we're going go, going to go to a youth movement and make you look worse and basically tank what's remaining remaining of How's that going to go? 
like Dennis Smith Jr., also a guy that's playing for money. I mean, Jalen McDaniels, also playing for money. How's that all going to play out? Because it's not like then you're playing with people's money, and then that's when people start checking out, and that's when you start developing those hard feelings, and you may not get everybody back. The NBA, and I know, I know I've said this on the show multiple times, the NBA is a people business. And as long as we understand that, you also have to play people like you're going to have to understand that, yo, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to make sure people feel whole. And if that means they're going to have a few extra wins by having some structure around, so be it, because I promise you it'll probably pay off in spades on the back end on that. It's it's going to be very interesting how they sort of manage the the letting go of this season because I, I don't know if there's much doubt at this point that it's not going to go the way they all thought it was going to go. Um, I think they should do that sooner rather than later because I think they can take advantage of other teams that are still a little bit fringy like the Bulls and the Wizards and make sure that at the end of this thing they do come out with enough losses to give them sort of that top three percentage opportunity to get the number one or number two pick. And I know we didn't talk a lot about college basketball, but uh, you are the producer of the Eye on College Basketball podcast. Nada, make sure uh, you are checking that out if you're listening or watching this show. He does a great job. And we typically ask you about some college basketball pro- uh, prospects. Next time you're on the show, we'll definitely dive a little deeper because I don't think the Hornets are going to be any closer <laughs> to playoff contention well, the well, next time. Well, that you I got come one on. right now for you. Okay, hit I got, me. I do hit have me. One. Jet Howard. Jet Howard, son of Juwan Howard. Saw him live uh, last week for the Jordan Invitational, Jumpman Invitational, and I was down on him initially. He's going to be a lottery pick, and should the Hornets face some less than lottery luck, he's a nice piece to add because he can shoot, he can handle, and at 6'8", 6'9", he's the prototypical type of wing that fits very, very well with LaMelo. Maybe better than Brandon Miller, who I mentioned Ooh. previously on, on a previous episode. I, I, again, this, this draft is loaded. This draft is loaded. That's why I'm not worried about getting top three. It's nice, but you don't necessarily need it. I'm more focused on maybe the Hornets need to focus on getting another lottery pick late in the lottery. That's what the Hornets should probably be more concerned with if we're talking about. And use it. I mean, hey, here's a novel concept. You get a couple of lottery picks and you use them instead of trading them for worse picks. I mean. To be fair, dog. To be fair. Let's before we do this. I'm tired of being fair. In this draft, no, the, the lottery in this draft is light years, light years. And you can clip this and quote me later if it's not, but it is light years ahead of what last year was. There are 14 guys that can start for NBA teams in this in this lottery. There wasn't that in last year's lottery, and I will stand by that and I will argue that with anyone. Boom. Drop the mic. That's not a Edwards. Go listen to the Eye on College Basketball podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast for Nada and Walker. I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. See you tomorrow.